0: I ain't got nothing but a bag of something that we're not allowed to say. Welcome to this episode. Oh, nope, we're not allowed to say episodes either. We've got a new partner in pod, uh, Acast, and they suggested that we do away with the episode terminology because, you know, we figure you're just going to listen to this when you listen to this. So figure that we've done about mm, nine up until this point. So why don't you hit us up on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on iTunes and, and get the other eight. They've been really nice. Uh, If you don't know, I'm your host, Andreas Georges, and you're listening to The Red Bulletin Podcast. We're talking to top performers in the worlds of adventure, sports, culture, science, innovation, and today's guest is definitely an innovator of sorts, an innovator on the food front, Roy Choi. He's widely considered with starting the food truck movement in 2009. His Kogi truck, which blended the tastes and flavors of his Korean heritage with his other passion and love, Mexican food um, started a revolution. You can just put it as simply as that. This was all the more impressive considering that uh, he struggled with a serious gambling addiction in his early 20s. um, One that he battled with until he, lying on the couch watching TV, had kind of an out-of-body experience... With Emerald Lagasse, the TV chef. And yes, that is a true story, and it is a bit weird, but it set him on his path. And since then, from Kogi, he's opened up several restaurants in the LA areas, opened up a hotel. And his newest venture uh, aims to bring healthy and expensive food. To uh, so-called food deserts in America, these are low-income communities uh, where there aren't a lot of healthy eating options. So local—that's L O C O L—opened in Watts in L.A. in uh, well a bit earlier this year, and and since then it's it's opened in Oakland, California. It's going to open in the Tenderloin soon, and of course there is a food truck on its way. We spent a full hour talking with Roy Choi about um, about the importance of bringing access to healthy food to low-income communities. We talked about motivating other chefs to do the same. We talked to him about Los Angeles, his love for the city, his love for rolling around the city streets, and why the food truck will always remain the beginning and the end of his passion. Um, and also, interestingly enough, how he is like uh, Tom York of Radiohead. Um, so enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. I just wanted to start off talking about l a man um okay. i'm I'm originally from the city by the bay, and we always i was always curious about Los Angeles you know oh, obviously yeah. there's like a little bit of a weird rivalry which nobody in LA mm-hmm. seems to feel
1: we don't think about you guys <laughs> no, at all no I know I
0: yeah know. Like, and people in San Francisco are like ah LA yeah, you guys
1: make us a part of your breakfast lunch and dinner but we don't think about you, I, now, know. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know and I know
0: by the way it's crushing to hear that um, but I'm, I'm fascinated with talking to uh, Angelinos especially ones like yourself who have such a deep pride um, I moved here about four and a half years ago I feel like there's just some heat around the city right now. Like there's a lot going on. Like do you, do you feel that as well? Why, why do you
1: think LA is is hot right now? Yeah, definitely someone that from someone that grew up here, it's definitely changed. Um I don't know, you know, sometimes things just mature, you know, and and evolve. Like the city was always LA, but it was kind of it was kind of wild, you know. LA's a young city. And so um I always say like it kind of went through its puberty. You know, and we're kind of growing up a little bit, and we're like flossing a little bit, and um, we got our shine right now. And uh, all of those times before kind of were necessary to build this moment right here. Right. Um, also, um, a lot of creative people moved into L.A. in the yeah, last they weren't- five years. They were here before, but like right. even more creative people moved to L.A. Um, a lot of neighborhoods in Los Angeles opened themselves up like where we're sitting right now, you know, at Red Bull Studios. Like this this back in the day, you know, it wasn't like completely filled from all the way from the beach to Bundy with creative studios doing like post-production and animation work and all that, you know, um, all these, these great things, you know. Um, there were a lot of local artists and hippie artists here on this side of Santa Monica, but it wasn't a mecca for like creative studios. So I think that whole influx... Um, you know, and I I think people also just kinda took away their stereotypes of what LA is, you know, and um and the food movement I think was big too. Uh the food, Jonathan Gold, um, the internet, you know what I mean? Like right. the internet, food blogs, people venturing outside of just West Hollywood, um, being able to like drive and see all of LA like we do growing up here and uh, realizing that you can't put us into a box. And I think once people uh, realized that and opened themselves up to it, um, it blossomed. And then that combined with us who are from here, you know, um, we took a lot more, like, pride in our own city and, you know... You felt that too, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, because you Because were- there's a lot of times people, like, would, like, try to knock on LA. So we had a little bit of a chip on our shoulder too, you know what sure. I mean? Like, we had to defend that shit, you know? Yeah. Like, we had to... We had to kind of, um, you know, just kind of block ourselves off and kind of be a little bit cold, to be honest, you know. But um, once people start showing love to L.A., we show you, you know, it 10 times back.
0: You, know. you you were how old? You must have been an early teenager when the city almost tore itself apart, right? In 19, 1991, 92? I was 92. 92. I
1: 92. wish I was a teenager. I'd be younger right now. Um, but I was early 20s. I was early like, 20s? Yeah, I was like 21 years old.
0: What was it like back then compared to now i mean how was was that for you like a seminal moment in the in the city for you as well
1: no, nah, I've had many seminal moments you know like uh the riots were a big deal um but it was it, you know it was a lot of things that led up to the riots you know um there was a lot of- po- police brutality going on uh Rodney King it just happened you know um Uh, you know, the decision on the Rodney King case, had just happened as well. Sure. You know, um, gangster rap was just coming up, you know, a lot of sets here in Los Angeles. um, It was the peak of uh, gang warfare in South LA. Um, There were a lot of miscommunications and misunderstandings between immigrant businesses and a lot of neighborhoods. Uh, And again, the city was just kind of going through a metamorphosis, you know, like um, there weren't, you know, the jobs weren't that great, you know, uh, even in the food side of things things were there was a lot of separation amongst us as a city oh really but yeah things were were um were kind of like blocked off from each other uh we were very segregated from each other um and even in the restaurant world you know there was there was fine dining and and like the spagos and and things like that you know um but outside of that a lot of the food you know wasn't like it is today it wasn't it wasn't a lot of young chefs making um you know like Kind of like approachable restaurants where you could go to as like a twenty year old or 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 you know or a teenager, yeah, yeah, and so it was all of that stuff coming together, man, like we were just trying to figure out ourselves out, and then it, it blew up, and the city just caught on fire, um it was like three four days, you know um you know, people people like, heavily yeah, pe- affected obviously it, there yeah, people um you know that aren't from l a seem to be really fascinated with the riots, um but uh. You know, it was the second riots of our city. You know, we had the, the Watts riots in 65 and the uprising there. But, um, you know, for us, man, like we picked up the pieces and just moved on as a city, you know, tried to figure it out. Um,
0: I read just, something interesting the other day, and I don't know if this is accurate. I think someone said this in a like an NPR interview about how um, uh, Koreans started stop thinking of themselves as just Koreans, but started thinking of themselves as Korean Americans. Do you think that's an accurate statement?
1: Uh yeah, I like it's part
0: of the part of the the inlaid
1: culture here and for those of us that were either born here or brought over real early, yeah. um we've never really like thought of ourselves as Korean, straight mm-hmm. up Korean. Uh we're kind of and I don't even know if Korean American is the right term, you know, we're kind of like we're kind of in a no man's land, you know what I mean? Like cuz we're one generation connected to our parents who grew up in another country. Who still speak a different language, um, you know? Were raised in a different educational system, um, have different values and points of view and things like that, and different struggles. Um, and then yet we have to go out our door and um, exist in America. You, right. know, like, right. you know, what I mean? Like make friends, you know. Yeah. Masturbate, you know, yeah. whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. listen to music. You can smoke do that cigarettes. In public. It's probably better. You know, to do go to school. Private. All that's yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. You get arrested for the the former but not the latter. Now so Orange County, right? I feel like
1: I that- moved to Orange County uh in junior high.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh what
1: did LA was was LA was uh was my this whole like, childhood up to like, you know, and, and so you knew Creed it tween or whatever. Re- but represent- I was always involved with LA, even though we moved to Orange County, our businesses were in LA, so I would always come back to LA. A lot of my relationships were in LA. Um, It's just we moved to Orange County and I grew up as a junior high school to high school kid in Orange County. Damn. Um, So I was able to see both sides, you know.
0: Going through your most awkward years in a place like Orange County must have been a trip.
1: It was a trip, man. You know, like, um, yeah, it was a trip because everything changed on a dime, you know. And not only did the awkward years come at that right at that moment, but also my whole life got flipped around. So um, I had to deal with everything all of that puberty but also you know dealing with a whole new environment um your so, life getting flipped around in what sense uh moving from the city to the suburbs right and then moving from uh, you know a multicultural situation to pretty much an all white neighborhood you know um and so um did you feel I, it? I i had to figure it out you know i had to figure out between like uh you know like i had to figure out the pesh mode and the cure and you know, peroxide hair. You oh. know, like I had to figure that stuff out. You know, what I mean, like although they're they're like the perfect soundtrack for a teenager. I feel <laughs> of any race and creed. Yeah, by the way, the Smiths and the cult. That's what was you know the Cure. That's all that stuff was happening. And I had to, like that stuff was all foreign to me. You yeah. know, yeah. and um, did you vibe with it? Yeah, you know, I figured. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. You know, I mean, I had to go through it, and I found my own way within Orange County. You know, Orange County is not just one thing, you know, um, just like stereotypes people had of LA, you know, people have stereotypes of Orange County, but Orange County, you know, Orange County has roots, man, Mm -hmm. you know, like it has, it has a lot of different layers to it. And, um, and so, uh, I, I found my different ways within it, you know, um, not only the, the, you know, the indie music and, and the surfing and the skating and all that, but also, um, you know, that's where I went through a lot of my own development. So I am a part of Orange County, you know. Sure. It's where I I grew up, you know. It's where I grew up as a teenager. It's yeah. Where, it's where I smoked my first weed, you know. It's yeah. where, you know. Um, Probably decent first. quality there, too. Uh, yeah. I always feel like the, I, the richer I, people are, the better the Yeah, quality. they were
0: getting <laughs> skunk and, and tie stick, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> how important was
1: food back to, apropos what happens after weed, how important was food? Food has always been important. And whether it's LA or OC, it's always important in my life because um, uh, it's important in Korean culture and it was important in my family, whether we were Korean or not. And I grew up in a restaurant too. So food was always around me. Whether we had money or didn't, um, there were times we, you know, my my parents' life and trajectory was like like a dippity-doo roller coaster. Like at times they would go up and you know, be wealthy in times it would go down and be bankrupt, you know. So, um, but it didn't matter at which point it was because food was always constant. So that was like the spine to everything for me. Yeah. Um. And your mom apparently was an amazing cook. Yeah. And so it was, was like. Was she it, that it, amazing or is this amazing in your mind? I think she was that amazing. Yeah. Um, because she was, she had her own hustle with her food. She ran a restaurant, you know, she sold kimchi out of her trunk, um, she was famous for her kimchi. Type by the way. I love it's that, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: some people sold mixtapes, your we mom sold kimchi. kimchi. <laughs>
1: yeah, we sold kimchi in cardboard boxes um with bottles stacked inside the trunk and luckily the older cars had big old trunks. You know what I mean? Like um like the old like Chevys and Cadillacs and we had a station wagon too which could hold even more kimchi. But um yeah, I I think um she had her own reputation. She built her own reputation and Uh, She was gifted with a with a skill um, and a taste uh, to know how to cook Uh, that that runs throughout my family, too. You know, like my whole family knows how to cook. Like we we cook like nobody's like a party like in my relatives homes is like it's crazy i don't know it's like ronald reagan with jelly beans you know what i mean like it's just <laughs> Boy, everywhere foods what? everywhere okay yeah. that's an old reference oh, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> he, used like, a... fu- he used to have the fucking jelly beans everywhere you know yeah like, he did he was yeah. he was big into jelly beans, into jelly beans. okay got it, it so is, like yes. there, was right. uh, um, yeah, yeah, there was food uh, everywhere dope 80s
0: reference o. C. By, o. C. by the
1: way There was food. oc 80s
0: reference by the way i had to keep it real with you yeah so, yeah. So it was everywhere. Was it uh, and it was it was mu- as much about the community, I'm, I'm guessing, as it was about um, yeah, the quality I mean, of the food or was it just you got to get it. Th- I mean, nowadays, there's so much pressure if you host like a dinner party, like you got to you know, you got to nail it. And you got to feel like you got to present it well and everything. And that's also part of this culture of, of food appreciation and, and yeah. Instagram and all that stuff. But back then, was
1: it more just getting everyone together? It was, but it was about great food too. You know, we cook from the soul. You know, um, you want you want people to love it, but it wasn't about your ego. I think that's maybe the difference. Um, uh, is that really like what you were just de- what you were just describing? I don't know, you know, that imaginary person who, who why or who they would be cooking for, or what they're trying to get out of it. But for us, it was never about the person cooking it. You know, it was about we really, truly wanted to feed whoever was coming, whether it was a picnic, whether you come to our house, whether it was a wedding, whether it was a, you know, a a, a birth or a funeral, whatever it is, we wanted to cook for you and make sure that everyone is licking their fingers, having a good time, you know, um, exuberant, like, coming out of their skin because the food is so damn delicious. And that's really what drove us, you know. And, you know, a lot of Koreans, especially my mom, we were, like, you know we were foragers before it was like before it was famous fashionable you know? yeah. right yeah you know Everything like going is, we were like, driving all over the country on oh, that country but county yeah we were driving all the way out to you know imperial county to to riverside county and um you know getting vegetables getting fruits going to the piers and waiting for the fishermen to come in and so it was yes it was about the ingredients it was about the food it was about the soul it was about also Probably more than food, it was probably a cultural thing to connect um, and to have some sort of anchor back to your lineage and your roots. Sure. You know? um, I and, mean, for you though, at the
0: age of whatever, 12, 13, 14, you probably weren't paying too much attention to that too. Was, or, or were, were you Where? I, I, I was, mean, or were you rebelling? Was it just about like,
1: you know, my mom's got a restaurant, but yeah. I don't want to go down that path? No, I didn't rebel till later. I I didn't rebel till I was like 13, 14. I was a good kid until I was like 13. Um, Like uh, always by my parents' side, but I I was also a latchkey kid. So they were off to work hustling, doing their thing. And I was experiencing the city on my own, figuring it out. But um, no, I was always hyper aware of stuff, even when I was younger. Like um, maybe I didn't understand it completely, but I used to watch all my aunties and, and my mom and my, and my dad and his friends and at the restaurant, all the customers and the cooks and and the grandmothers that came and helped and made kimchi. You know, I, I I watched them and, you know, I saw them, how they touched the food and how how they looked when they were cooking and eating and the gossip and the stories they would tell. And um, all those things, you know, registered with me. Um, I don't know what I was thinking at the time that they registered, but they definitely registered with me. You have a, uh,
0: you had a bit of a, so, but did you think at that time, did you think, okay, I mean, because this was before the chef revolution, really, right? Um, did you think yeah. this could be a path for me?
1: No, I was too close to the fire. Um, no pun intended, but I was too close to the fire uh, to ever realize that cooking would be a part of my life, you know, um, because I grew up around it, you know, so uh, in many cases, lasting any kid wants to do is inherit their parents' business, you know, that's one. But the other is, like, it was just so, uh, it was just so fluid with my life that never thought this was a business. Like, it was like a career, you know, like, I thought a a career meant, like, going to an office or something, you know, or, um, and I don't know, but it's more complicated than that because um, I've always been creative, but in, in kind of a, in, my household, but also in many Korean households, it's the creativity is kind of beaten out of you. You know, it's like that's not a career. You know, yeah. like uh you could be funny, but that's not a career. So right. it's like okay, and then so then the careers start to narrow, and then the careers become, you know, very definable with uh, education and being a doctor or lawyer or an office worker. You know, and Damn, so and
0: then you must just flip out.
1: Yeah, you flip out. Some make it though. You know, like sure, yeah. Some, some yeah. fish. Make it and spawn, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, a lot of your doctors are Korean, you right, know, right. Uh, and a lot, a lot, a lot of your, uh, you know, people, uh, a lot of lawyers are Korean, a lot of, a lot of professors are Korean, a lot of scientists, chemists, you know, AP bureau chiefs, and you know, all that they make it, you know. Probably the pressure creates diamonds, and and probably nine out of ten make it. To be honest, but then there's the one out of ten like me that don't and, and, kind of spin off, you know? So, um, but it's a culture, it's a culture within, within our culture that, um, you know, keep your head down, your mouth shut, you study and you succeed. You know what I mean? So like, there ain't no room for art. There ain't no room for, there ain't no room for this shit right here. Right. Podcast. Right. There ain't no room right. for that. You I, know? There might not even be room for this podcast. <laughs> At Red but Bull yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. We're rogue. We're yeah. so rogue right now. But,
0: um, for you, it kind of, I feel like it kind of, you, you, you righted yourself
1: at one point. Um, yeah, so the cooking I found way later, like in my mid-20s. Yeah. Okay,
0: mid-20s. Yeah, right.
1: but I worked, like I grew up in a restaurant, I worked, it was just a job to to get money, like in high school. Sure. Like I worked, like I cleaned griddles at a at a, um, a knockoff Benihana. You know, I worked as a dishwasher, a salad bar cleaner at this restaurant called and Cleaver. Um, my job was to... You know, clean the salad bar after the night, and then fill it with ice the next morning. And like glamorous you know, work, it was. Yeah, it was like. Uh, it are was you into real that shit. Can you can you get into that
0: kind of work though?
1: Oh yeah, I love that work. To be honest, like no, I mean no sarcasm. I uh, that's the type of work I really love. You know, is because there's something done. You can show a done. result at I, the end. I love washing dishes. I love being with our dishwashers. I love um, I love scrubbing the floor and cleaning the walls and. You know, because there's something very grounding and, and, and you know, I don't know, in the moment yeah. w- with that work. And those are the foundations of our work as chefs um, is, it, it is that, I don't know even what you call it, but is that work, you know, washing dishes, cleaning Works. floors. It's also honest sinks. work, isn't it? Yeah,
0: It's really, I mean, it's so, you know, in this day and age when you can be a mm. Snapchat celebrity and yep. YouTube star. hard to imagine you know it's it's uh it's desirable to be that as opposed to someone who takes pride in in cleaning or it takes pride in in repairing cars or whatever Mm -hmm. you know it seems so foreign to a portion of the population you know
1: yeah and you know but those are the things that i love you know and i so i think in many cases with my korean identity and korean american identity which you brought up and then also with you know, I guess a little bit of my you know mature identity, but I'm also still connected to the youth and you know very deeply. Um, I I always kind of straddle both sides, so I understand like the instant celebrity and instant you know attention, but I also am really rooted in things that like like washing dishes every single day, day in day. I love that honest work,
0: right. you know, where
1: right. there is no abstract, there is no bullshit. You can't you can't like you can't make it look or feel any different than what it is, you yeah. know, and you actually have to produce. I, that's the thing that I love about it. Well, and then you can relate to different
0: areas, too. You can yeah. relate to different people. You know yeah. what I mean? You're not sure. putting yourself yeah. above others. Never.
1: Yeah. So um, so I worked all through that, and then um, I had a whole bunch of other stuff, and then I don't know if you're going to cover that stuff, but then I found cooking in my mid-20s.
0: So you had a whole bunch of other stuff, which is?
1: Which is drugs, gambling, alcohol, drugs, gambling. fighting. Yeah. More than
0: Thai stick drugs?
1: Yeah. Crack. Yeah. You know yeah it's um, heavy there, stuff there was crack for a while there was um
0: was that just in the community and it was easy or was it something nah, i was you I, sought I was out?
1: drift i was a drifter uh during that time and i was kind of just like wandering the country and um i was i, I found uh, i started cracking in uh, new york city actually in um Times square pre-giuliani you know in a y, place in, in a ymca yep seven bucks a night man you know at this uh you could sleep there and uh that that's kind of where i kind of for a while of my life, I was an addict, and I was just, like, kind of... I was just gone, you know what I mean? Like, just just in in the universe. Was this sense you know? of, like, I'm trying to find myself, or was it not even... Caught? It was... A, it was. I'm trying to tune out. It was both, out. you know? It was yeah. a treadmill that went both ways. It was finding yourself and then running away from yourself, you know? So... Um, How old were you? I was 22. 22 yeah, it's hard, yeah, man. Around there. Um, and so... There was that. There was, but then, that wasn't the worst of it. Um, the drugs really weren't, you know, my downfall. It was more my anger. It was alcohol. I, I can't control like my alcohol. You know, like a lot of people that aren't addicts will say, "Just have a drink," you know, or they try to, or they try to bully you. You know, like, you know, you know, just have a beer. You know, what's what's up? You know, like you party pooper or whatever. You know. But what they don't realize about addicts is you stick one toe in the water, you may not be able to get out, you know, you may, cause like that shit is like, so like you're so compulsive, you know what I mean? Like I can't, I don't drink socially. I can't just drink like sip on a glass of wine. You know, I drink for work, like I'll taste wine and beer, uh, you know, like as a chef, sure. You know, what I mean, like I'll taste it and I'll say, like, I want to put that on the menu. But that's work, you know. Right. But I can't like sit at a dinner party and hold a glass of wine and talk to you. Like that shit don't mean nothing to me, you know. And like, like if I the, if I was gonna drink, like I'm gonna drink till like I black I black out or like you know like shit goes crazy. Right. And um, so that that was like a, a real big part of my downfall, and that combined with gambling, which yeah. which just totally like obliterated ripped my whole life apart. Jesus, what was yeah. your what was the game? Uh, well, there were many games, but um, it started with uh, it started with Pan Nine, which is a, a card game, um, which is a card game that's based off of Pai Gao, uh which you try to get the number nine, and so you shake dice, you get cards, certain cards are zero, and then you try to get the number nine, and then basically, um, there's not much, there's some strategy, but it's really like this harnessing of luck and if you ride this luck it's like if you get really really deep into the gambling world and you see people that are fully fully connected to this kind of highway of luck and and mysticism um it 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 will you know it will turn your cynical eye you'll you'll see different things you know you'll see people be able to ride this kind of metaphysical thing that you may not believe in but you'll you'll be witnessing it in front of your eyes like people dropping dice and just like manifesting just manifesting right in front of you you know like just bubbling like bet on bet other bets side bets people you know betting on top of those side bets and just like you know roaring when the when the uh when, when the you know the number comes your way and then just tens of thousands hundreds of thousands millions of dollars just like just overflowing so that um did you were you able to harness that? Yeah, I, I did. But then what happens to most every gambler is that uh you know, you lose it. S- you know, somehow you can't hold on to it. And you're desperate to get it back. You're desperate to get it back. And what do you do to get it back? You do anything, you know. Um uh you'll do anything. You rob, steal, cheat, you know, burn every bridge around you. Some people will turn to tricking, you know. Um All to get- prostitute themselves, you know do anything all to
0: get in touch with that mystical flow basically yeah i
1: would say so you know Mm -hmm. um there's something about it that uh even a even a one dollar chip to a true gambler even if your whole life was pawned away right you pawn your family your businesses your life you have nothing you've been living in that casino for years you know uh, sleeping at a motel across the street and even if you have nothing around you everything you've burned around you and still in your mind in in your psyche or your spirituality your a one dollar chip is still a way to get it all back you know so um there's there's something crazy about that you know? when when did you were you able to stop yourself or did you have no help? no i had to have intervention you know, um, family or family, friends. friends. Yeah. I I had gambled all my rent away and for, you know, where were you living at, at the time? I was living in West LA. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah um, before it became fashionable. Near here actually. Oh yeah. yeah. Before it became fashionable. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. Right down the street from here, Olympic and like uh Sautel area. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. A little, little Osaka. Yeah, yeah. But just like, um, uh, right there, like off of Beloit, uh-huh. which is right next to Sautel. Um, I was living right there and you know, um, you know, living with three roommates and they entrusted me with the rent and, you know, I gambled the rent away and, you know, uh, we were getting evicted and they couldn't find me. I was I was out there on the streets and, um, you know, they finally had to resort to calling my parents and just all that stuff happened, you know.
0: you uh, Were you thinking, I can do this for a job? Is that is that like, do you think career? You're just like, I'm going to make
1: so much money, I'm
0: not even going to have to think about that.
1: Nah, nah, man. Like, I'm just trying I, I, I to I was 20. I was 20, 23 years old. And there were times where I was making more money than you'll make in your whole life. You know what I mean? Um, I was balling out, buying fucking anything I wanted, you know, in K-Town. Um, and it wasn't about career. It was just I was living the moment. You know, I mean, it was scar- years It was, old, it, was scar- it was Scarface. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're kind of living the dream. Yeah, living the dream. You know. Um. So there was there was no like career. You mm-hmm. know. It was um. It was more about like uh, you know, just that that fire. You know what I mean? Like just walking in and 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 it it it's like it's like walking into a stadium. Or, you know, and and know that you're about to play game seven or something. Yeah, you know I mean, like that's right. the feeling uh, every single day of your life when you're on the high end of gambling, and um, and so that's what I was going through. I never even thought about my career. Yeah, I, you know, like I was in college at that time. And I don't even know how I graduated. To be honest, I I you that, did. I did, but that whole last two years was a blur. I yeah. can't I can't I've really been now that I'm getting a little bit older like I've been trying to think back on those two years from like 22 to 24 where I was like fully into gambling drinking every day um, just like balling out but I was still finishing up college right so it's like I I, right now I, I really try to piece it back together like a like a jigsaw puzzle and I, it's still a blur I can't figure I, I can't figure out how I did it you know
0: I mean do you even want to go back
1: to understand no, but that, I, or, or maybe it, not you or is know, it filling in that gap but i or? know i was there i was i was a blur i know yeah. it was a blur and i know there are a lot of youngsters going through that now you sure, know like yeah. where you walk through life and yeah. i mean you know you get through it you know what i mean like yeah. um and but uh you know even like pop stars go through it right like you know of course um like you're going through it and you're everything's a blur but you're there but you're not there right you know right you can still perform but you're not really at your best sure um so i think that's probably how i got through college
0: so you got through um there's that seminal moment which you've written about in your book la sun um kind of a dope name by the way it's almost as much as it's like la sun but it's also like An exclamatory thing, isn't it? Like, yeah, for sure, sure. There's (laughs)
1: there's definitely uh, um, you know different meanings behind it. Yeah. uh, So uh, you uh,
0: Emeril Lagasse at uh, that point, uh, probably the biggest chef in biggest TV chef,
1: right? Only TV chef, probably at that time. You know, like the only one that huh that really okay. He was like Run DMC at that time. You know, in early hip hop. You know, it's like, yes, there were other acts, there were other pioneers, but like, yeah, he was the one that broke through,
0: yeah, and he had that signature signature phrase,
1: yeah, he had the band, but the show that I saw at that time in the, in the early nineties the mid nineties emerald it wasn't the Emerald Live show in which a lot of people may remember or try to associate it with um it was a very private personal show uh in a in a small kitchen where he was just speaking to the camera and he was actually cooking and showing you how to cook. It was a really, really. Amazing person. I've never seen anyone actually pull those archives up. We should contact Food Network and see if they still have them. But it was a very, very personal, it's very intimate, intimate show. Amazing show. And like, um, and what connect? What did you connect with on that? No, I, I, I had out of body experience with him. Like, um, at one of my worst places and phases, I was laying on a couch and the TV was on and that show was on, and I just I had a moment. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. like. He was talking to me, yeah, and I felt like that was like that was like my wake up call right. literally, you know, like if I didn't listen to this, you know this this was the last this was the last like you know um and it came from a chef like the airport the airplane door was gonna close like it was the last call, you know, right. and so um I, I luckily I heard it you know and I, and I acknowledged it, but it came from a chef, it came from him, it came from the TV. Um, I literally, like, kind of, like, um, I don't know. I, I, I literally got up and and just moved on and walked away from all this stuff and bullshit. And and I just went back and just, like, it's kind of like replanting the seeds that you uh, ripped out. I kind of went back and tried to make things right that I made wrong. You know, that took a year. You know what I mean? And it took a year and it took a lot of embarrassment and, and, you know, courage, I guess, you know, to go back to all the bridges. And then some of those bridges didn't want to forgive me, you know what I mean? So, but it was important for me to try to go back and try to, like, you know. Make amends. Make amends, you know. And then then my new life, you know, began with culinary Cul- school.
0: Culinary school, Culinary Institute of America sounds... Yeah, man. Super, super high level and top notch. It, it definitely <laughs> sounded really regal at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. And your parents were like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Let's, We'll, we'll let you do that. Or
1: was there like a tr- building up of trust as well? Uh, yeah, I mean... Because no that, che- that shit no
0: ain't cheap, right? That's not...
1: Yeah, but I had some money at the time left and, you know, some financial aid. They helped and, you know, they took a last chance on me, you know, and they really helped me out. Yeah. Right. And then you went, so we'll go from there...
0: A um, couple of, couple of um, restaurants, Beverly Hills Hilton, I believe. At one point,
1: yeah, yeah. I, you know, I had a whole career. You know, like ever since that moment I had Emerald, like. Yeah. What a lot of people may not understand is, you know, for a lot of us that don't have a kind of like a normal routine or life, or maybe have a lot of demons or addictions or, you know, compulsions, whatever. Like a lot of things we dream of is a normal life you know, is, is structure and simple things like just going to the market and buying eggs and and coming home. And, you know, like, um, you know, some people dream of like, like exciting things, right? Like for me, all I wanted was like a real job, um, a family, go to work every day, come back and just be a, be a good human being. That's all I wanted. So, um, when i when i got that second chance with with the food um i i was very true to it you know and i did my best you know and i went to school i did really good came out and i started a career um in cooking in resorts and country clubs and there was a part of me that was still pulling like a lot of my friends were cooking in like um some of the best new restaurants in new york city and san francisco your town you know like Uh, getting all the accolades and awards and all these things. And I was, you know, there's an ego part of you that gets jealous at that time, you know, but my career was to cook an omelet for you and your family when you're on vacation, you know. And I had to take a deep look at myself and say, like, this is who you are, this is your career. You know, don't give it all up, you know, and chase your own glory. This is where you are, do the best you you can right here. And so, um, you know, that's what I committed to. So for 10 years... I committed to being the best hotel chef I could possibly be, you know. And I worked up the ranks. I worked for the Embassy Suites brand, which is a, a two-suite hotel brand. You get free breakfast and free drinks. It's a really great bargain for families when they travel. You know what I mean? So um, it's a mid-level hotel brand. You probably pay like 150 a night. Shout know? out to Embassy Suites. Shout by out the way. to Embassy. This is not Absol- a plug, but yeah, this is like definitely if they want to
0: if they want to sponsor this pod, they yeah, yeah. we welcome that.
1: But it's on the real. It's a, it's a great brand, and that was my career. You know, it was it was like, you know, taking care of, uh, of whoever stayed there, and I, I, you know, I made it my life to make sure that you were happy. Was it um, was it tough to temper that ego in you though? Because like
0: when you're gambling, when you're 20 years old, when you're buying whatever you want, you're on top of the world, right? So it's, so it's almost like, it's almost like like completely. It, it's a lot of work to suppress that. It's a lot fun. of work, especially in that that world you're in the testosterone charge you
1: to testosterone fuel world it takes Uh, training yeah 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 yeah. you know i had been through a lot so i i think spiritually i was ready for it but it i i didn't know how to do it so it, it it's you know one foot in front of the other type of thing you know like literally like reminding yourself you know i i don't know how that sounds here on this podcast but but there are sometimes for some people it literally takes that effort you know to look in the mirror and remind yourself and talk to yourself you know and and one foot in front of the other right and say today I'm going to wake up and go to work and I'm going to make sure all of the 284 rooms in the hotel whoever they are whether they're cool or not cool it doesn't matter you know that we're going to do our best and make sure that You know, like if you were staying with us, that I don't know who you are, what you've gone through, if you've had a bad day. That I'm just when you when we encounter each other, I want to make sure that you have a great breakfast. You know, Um, and so that was my career for ten years. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I worked up. I became corporate chef. Sure,
0: take pride in your work, though. It comes back to what you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. It's it's an honest job. Take pride in the honesty of it.
1: Yep, and I think the corporation took notice of that, and they moved me up and that's how i ended up that's the long story to the beverly hilton is um once i agreed to myself that this was my career i did my best as a hotel chef not as a magazine you know front page chef but like this is my career so i moved up really fast in the ranks and i became a corporate sh- a regional chef for the brand and a corporate chef then i outgrew at embassy suites and i was like where do i go and um the parent company was hilton and then that was like the mountaintop i was like if i could become the chef of the Beverly Hilton. Yeah. and that shit's kinda like it's kind of a big deal. Was that you know?
0: Paris and Nicole years or were they not around?
1: Uh they were around. They, they were, were around? Yeah, they were around at that time. This was uh two thousand
0: ordering like weird ass shit and, at like two in the morning or yeah,
1: I mean they would come in and out and stuff. Okay. Um but we had a lot of celebrity, we had a lot of royalty there, you know, yeah, uh yeah. uh princes and kings and Yeah, which I'm you sure know. you
0: dealt with the way you dealt with anybody, right? Yep. Like Yeah. yeah. Same approach.
1: Um, Yep. So that's where that, you know, that's how I ended up there.
0: Yeah. Uh, We don't need to spend too much time on the food truck because I know you've talked about it. But Mm -hmm. for you, what was different about serving people coming in? Well, this is not the right way of saying this, coming off the street, but serving people on the street uh, as opposed to uh, serving them in a restaurant atmosphere. What was what did that give you that was different?
1: I changed everything changed not only my life but it changed the city and i think it changed this country and this world you know um there was an energy exchanged between us on the streets when no one knew what was going on and there was a lot of factors that were a part of the recipe you know the economy crashed
0: you know 2008
1: 2009 2008 the banks fucked us over you know they created a mirage and people lost their their livelihoods, you know, and their jobs. And you know, we as as a as a people didn't know what tomorrow brought. You know what I mean? Like, um, people were like in, in shock, in shell shock, you know. And um, technology was just starting to, you know, stretch its legs. You know, like there was no—I mean, people weren't using Twitter. At this time. You know what I mean? Like, iPhone just came out. You know? Like, there's some real shit. Some real shit, right? It, it
0: feels like... It, and it's so funny you say that because it feels like we had it for forever. Yeah. It just you know? came out. Just, just came out. out like just came out seven at that time. Ago, eight uh-huh. years ago. Eight years ago. In crazy. that year. It came yeah. out in that
1: year. Twitter came out. Yeah. Economy crashed. Um, you know, we went out on the streets and we shared real moments with people. You know? and um, And those things built. Because you know because a lot of other things crumbled if that makes sense yep. you know and so in that and was, there was a small window uh there's a food in our chef community called fiddlehead ferns that have a very small window of growth it was like that right or morel mushrooms like it was a very small window that's by the way some dope esoteric chef knowledge right there it, man. <laughs> i gotta <laughs> bring it <laughs> so once in a while still a chef man yeah. he might be cream but he's still you know he's still got it um so there was this window and yeah. and Kogi was yeah. there at that window of time, you yeah. know, and all of that stuff converged together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Korean barbecue and a taco, Twitter, nightclub, a bunch of crazy folks coming together. Uh, we were like a Justice League coming together, different talents, economy crashing, delicious food for two bucks. All these things swirled together, uh, flash mobs on the streets, boom. And it just, you know it just went on a life of its own.
0: So and that was for you personally incredibly satisfying not just for the success but the way you be able maybe able to relate to people even more because for to me it seems like you really value that relationship that connection between the the, the people you are yourself and the people you're cooking for
1: yeah. um that made it that much more tactile and immediate. For me, you know uh, I have partners in Kogi they may have different perspectives but for me it 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 gelled everything together. Because I had sep- – for 10 years, I had separated my work life and my private life, you know. So um, – but what Kogi did was it brought it all together so I could be myself and have my connection to the people eating the food um, and also be myself when I'm not at work, you know. And so, like, it, all of those things came together and and, um, and it was just really, really special, man. It was, you know, the early days of Kogi, uh, they were just – I don't know, man, it was, I can only imagine it's like young punk bands, you know, you know, like playing small it's amazing. arenas, you know, yeah, like just like really nice analogy. Yeah, it's just that it's, we shared something those yeah. first like f- six months of Kogi between the streets, the people and ourselves, you know, um, you know, there were mosh pits and it was just there and it was just us and um, that all of that changed me completely, you know so
0: and then did it ever become a business i mean when at what because that it's inevitable right if that's going to grow i mean you're you've got a frame now Mm -hmm. you've got uh we're going to talk about local in a bit but um you know you've got the line hotel at what point i mean do you do you look back with nostalgia at that time a little bit uh, because it's a bit more professionalized now for you is it?
1: No, I, uh, well, I, I have a very unique situation. So, um, because I had that special moment in our lives with Kogi, uh, I made it a number one principle to keep it, you know, that way. So I run all our businesses with that spirit. So, um, even though I've grown to become a, you know, open other restaurants and become a, a, a personal businessman or whatever and, you know, have different entities and all these things um all of them still run with a with a core principle you know and that's just like keep it real you know um and have fun and like you know um not like not like be so like take yourself so seriously and uh you know even though kogi is a worldwide brand we're actually a very small company so if you look at to answer that question is if you actually look at kogi we only have 4 trucks and um, a small taqueria in in Palms, um, but our brand is worldwide, you know. And but we're really a small company, so. Uh, and you I, like that? I like it, man. Yeah. I like. Yeah. it. I really like it. I've never, you know, I've never really taken investment money other than with local. Um, right. But local is a different reason why I took it, sure. you know. But you know, everything is self-funded. Yeah. You know, everything is funded. You know, um, we invest right back into these, like, like. Basically, we invest in the creativity. So what happened since Kogi was I started to trust myself and I started to meet people and I started to get ideas. And um, and so what we did was I just followed those ideas when they felt right. And those became A-Frame. They became, you know, um, uh, the hotel and, you know, all these things. Yeah,
0: just basically trusting your instinct. Trusting my instincts and
1: also meeting people that were willing to invest in those ideas, you know. Right, and, um, and that you felt good about too. That I felt good, and then <laughs> yeah. for me also, I had the uh, the confidence and I guess the the position to say like this is how I want it. You know, like I'll give you everything I got, um, but this is also what's important to me. Where'd that confidence you know? come from? It came from Kogi, man. Yeah, you know, you saw
0: really, this thing that validated basically. It gave me freedom. Approach?
1: No, it wasn't validation. It was Kogi. Kogi opened me up to freedom. Like, I could live on the streets cooking tacos out of the truck forever. Like, I didn't need to answer just nobody because I had the relationship with the people on the streets, you know, and the food was delicious. I had my team with me, you know. Um, uh, I didn't – everything – all this stuff that we build up in life all, like, detached and and shed away. and And so everything from then has been kind of, like – kind of like nothing can fucking touch me. You know, like I will do what I want to do and I'll do it for the reasons I want to do it and that 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 are that my gut and that the universe is kind of telling me to do. You know, like I don't need to be rich. I don't need to be a a businessman. I don't need to win awards. Whatever happens will happen. But uh, as long as I stay true to this this very lucky thing that came across in my life.
0: I mean, if worse came to worse... You could still just go back to your truck and, and do that and be happy, probably. Yes. Yes, that's, that's... And you're honest when you say that, aren't you? I'm very honest. Yeah.
1: And that's what keeps me grounded, right? Yeah. And, um, like, all of these businesses that have come since then I care about, but the reason why I approached all of those businesses with this kind of, like, confidence and, and courage is because um, I know that if it all comes back to just being Kogi, that I'd be happy, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so that's what drives me, you know? And then, and then, so because of that, I fuel the other businesses with that philosophy. Yeah. To give back, to care for everyone, um, yeah. to give more than you take and all these things, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, I don't know if the, the perfect example would be like, cause I don't know everything about him, but Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam, um, feels a little bit like you reach a certain point and it's not about album sales anymore. It's not about like things and you just kind of like, you sell your tickets for $1 or something like that. I don't sure, know. Sure. Th- yeah. He yeah. went through that whole thing, right? He did that. Uh, Radiohead does that Radiohead well. d- does that. Yeah. So I'm right yeah. there, man. I'm Louis Tom. York. C.K. I'm, yeah. Know, I'm Canadian. Tom York level. Like uh, that's where I am. Yeah. Like I'm just like making the stuff yeah. for the fans, you know? Yeah.
0: You're like a, you're a, a,
1: a cooking Tom York.
0: You're like uh <laughs> You're like the chef dick Tom York or something. Yeah. Like I, like that. Cooking, I,
1: I like cooking Tom York. That's yeah. going to be my new Twitter name.
0: Cooking Tom York. Yeah, Tom exactly. York. It's also a good album name if you ever want to go yeah. down that route. Yeah. You know, <laughs> maybe a collab, dude. Do you love but to collab? if, if
1: that's really, cause I, you know, I don't know too much about like the details of those mm. artists and stuff, but like, if, if that's what it is, that's how I am with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, it's not about the early, like it's not about album sales,
0: you know? So. Right. Right. Um, You're also so involved in the stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to local uh, about... When did you guys open?
1: Five months ago? Six months ago? Yeah, January 18th.
0: Damn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably about three months ago. Um, First time I've been in the Watts Mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. It was super interesting. Uh, Very good to go down there. And you were there, like, floating around, man. Like, hustling, like, every day? What are you going to do after this? Are you...
1: you... I wish I was there every day, but... um but you know i have other families you know that you know get jealous <laughs> when i'm at one place too much so but you I, go I to try, all your restaurants yeah, every day I, I try to i try to balance it um as best i can so yeah. and then plus i got to do stuff like this you know sure. like so yeah. like what i try to do is i try to see everyone at least twice a week okay. i guess that's an easy way to explain it so i have seven restaurants you know and then kogi yeah, and um, and then all these creative things that we do, and like podcasts, and sure, you know, interviews, and all that stuff. But out of the seven families and the trucks, I try to see two of those families twice a week, and then it's a, it's a six day work week for me, mm-hmm. so I spread it across. You can right. do the math,
0: right? You know, so. right? I can, but it would take a while. Yeah, so let's okay. just move on to that. <laughs> all right, from that, uh, local is a, a really unique um, idea. Uh, it really got me thinking about who has access to good food in America, right? Um, uh, I live in Venice and there's cafe gratitude there. And what pissed me off about cafe gratitude is that number one, they make vegan food absolutely delicious, but number two, it's at prices that are completely unattainable for communities that might need it the most. And I was just always thinking like, why can't gratitude do this, do this for the LA school system? You know? Um, how do you see that who who gets to eat well in America nowadays?
1: People who live in Venice you know uh in the new Venice, you guys are definitely eating well um with creative jobs that pay you well here on the west side and yeah. you know um you know you're you're getting your sandwich g t a and you're eating you're eating uh at cafe gratitude and you're getting your moon juice and you know uh, yeah, twelve you, bucks a pop yeah you guys yeah. are eating well because yeah. you you're those are things you value you know straight up i'm i'm not making fun of it at all those are things you value and those are things in your neighborhood and those are things you can afford and you um instead of buying jewelry you buy a 12 dollar moon juice you know and those are things that you value so you're eating well for sure but uh there's a there's a lot of people that aren't don't have jobs aren't making money um that are living in section 8 housing you know that don't have any opportunities in their community uh the only things that are opening in the community are fast food and liquor stores. And um and they're not eating that well. You know what I mean? So
0: And that resonated that that's something that's been it's not, it doesn't sound like it's a new revelation for you. It sounds like something you've been No, it's something I, li- I
1: live with. It's not it's not a political campaign for yeah. me and it's not a soundbite, you yeah. know, it's something I live and breathe, you know. Um it's it's something that uh, I'm fortunate and I pay respects to every single day that we've been welcomed into the Jordan Downs community, you know, into Watts, you know Um, I never take it for granted and I never use it uh, for my own benefit. You know, we're, we're there for, for, for the community Watts, but um, you know, I don't know why it hasn't been done. I don't know why gratitude, you know, there are economics behind things, but it takes just like people wanting to do it, you know? So maybe people don't even know that can do it that they want to do it or how to do it. So sometimes it takes you know someone doing it first. You know, I was walking in today, you had food trucks in the parking lot for lunch, right? Right, like, right. Um it was it took Kogi to inspire others to 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 realize that, you know what? Operating a food truck could be my life, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's not a hobby, it's not something beneath me. It's actually I could it could be a part of my life, you know, and I could go to a Red Bull studio, sit in the parking lot, have great conversations with people, and we're equal, you know, and I make money, they eat lunch, you know, and life goes on, right? Um, I think local, it could be that for this country, you know, like, um, you know, we're just trying to open a business that serves delicious food, that's healthy for you, um, that employs the neighborhood, and then, um, you know, is taking care of, is the neighborhood taking care of the neighborhood, Right. You know, it's right. not it's not people being hired outside of the neighborhood that are making the money and then the money that's made from the neighborhood is getting taken out of the neighborhood. Everything sure. circulates back in. So, you're, but you're opening that door, right? You're yeah. introducing this concept. That so this maybe that will inspire others. You know, maybe that will inspire a, a cafe gratitude. You know, that was what my challenge was you know, um, in Copenhagen, and Daniel was the one that listened, you know. Right. You're talking Um, about the
0: food conference you guys were at in Copenhagen, I think it was 2013.
1: 13, and and mm -hmm. Daniel Patterson, my partner in this project, um, who was an amazing, well-accomplished chef on his own, you know, um, he he heard my speech, which was basically like, if we as chefs have the power to lure investors that want to invest in our restaurants, then we shouldn't make that, you know, a twofold investment you know we build the uh, we build the restaurant the sexy restaurant that everyone wants you know that gets the awards on and then you also in order to build that restaurant that that you know the investors want you also have to invest in a restaurant that feeds the neighborhoods as well. I mean it's that's that's also classic city planning, right? City like planning. If, if you yep. build
0: if you build um if you're a developer building like high priced condos, you have to build uh, affordable low income housing. That's as exactly
1: well. it. That's the architecture of the argument. So you know that's where a gratitude, you know, cafe gratitude could be like, okay, I'll do the, you know, the seventeen dollar, you know, quinoa bowl. Yeah. But then um but then every one that I build in Venice also try to build one somewhere else as well.
0: Was it tough to convince, uh, convince investors of locals potential or promise or, you know, cause at the end of the day, they want money.
1: No, I think that we have a good X factor that made it pretty, you know, easy for us. You know, you got Daniel Patterson, uh, arguably one of the top five chefs in the world. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, maybe even top three, you know, like, uh, revered as one of the most knowledgeable, soulful, intellectual chefs of this, not only this generation, but the whole kind of like industry as a whole. So you got that. You got me who started the food truck movement with my, with my Kogi family, you know, um, you know like that's that's two pretty big heavy hitters you know sure. what i mean so that kind of stuff you know people like care about you got this business plan that you know has 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 heart and soul and and honesty behind it yeah. you know you got a board of directors that includes you know uh, some of the best chefs in the world so i think some of the pieces were pretty alluring
0: when what um, were you careful about when you went to the community with the
1: idea uh i don't think we were careful Like we weren't walking on eggshells, but we were. We were very adamant about making sure that the community wanted us versus us telling the community we were coming in. Right. So we spent a year in Watts, uh, walking the streets and talking to everyone. You did, yeah, for sure, man. You know what kind of um, insight did you get? um, That they wanted us. That. That we better be, that we should, you know, if th- that if we came, that we should, you know, come correct and be for real, you know, and don't lie to them. Yeah. And. Uh, but they want healthy food, too. <laughs> I mean They yeah. want healthy food. They want sure. delicious food. Sure. Everyone wants delicious food, Absolutely. you know. Um, and so that, you know, we spent a year really get, be, getting to know everyone, being a part of it um, and waiting for the welcome. And we got the welcome from Watts, you know um in those exact words welcome to watts you know we accept you we want you and that really fueled us to continue to actually build the brand even further but um the investor side like nah, man i don't i, I don't i don't really like get weirded out by that stuff man because i know like i told you i'm cooking tom york man you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm cooking tom york motherfucker <laughs> um I'm cooking Tom york uh like i'm at a I'm at a Zen place, man, like yeah. you either gonna invest in me or not, yeah, you know, I don't need to prove shit to you, you know, like you're either gonna do it or not and if you're gonna do it, we're gonna do it, you know, and that's my whole approach for how things.
0: enviable a position is that?
1: I don't know if I can ask you that
0: I'm gonna tell you I envy that <laughs> yeah. position, I don't think that's a question okay. um, it's more of a point I'm making yeah. uh it's it's taken you some. Seriously,
1: up and down times to get to this point. Yeah, that's why I don't take it for granted, man. Like, all I know is that I got it right now. I'm here in it. I'm swimming in cooking Tom York. You know, I'm swimming in it. But I may not be cooking Tom York tomorrow. You know, so while I am, I'm gonna rock the fucking stage. You know, and um, so uh, that's that's how it feels. You know, and and I'm very aware not everyone gets to have it you know so that's why i think it's what fuels me to give more to be honest you know maybe if i had gotten this when i was younger like gambling you know like um i'd just be looking to see how many like girls i could sleep with to be honest you know what i mean like i would i would have just wasted it all away you know um but because it's come to me a little bit later in life, um, yeah. It's cooking, Tom York. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the plan with local next? I know you guys have, uh, pl- have
0: plans to open up in San Francisco. Uh, we opened up- Oakland. You opened
1: in Oakland. We opened uh, end of May, so oh, it's been excellent. what six, seven weeks now. Excellent. So, um, you want to yeah.
0: go national with that?
1: You know, we do, but we don't want to get too we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. You know what I mean? Because the last thing we need to do is offer a broken system to a broken system does that make sense you know so like the the broken system is our is our country you know like our you know our inner cities and our resources and what we're providing yeah Um, and then the last thing we want to do is just come in and like try to expand too quickly and and then our systems be broken on top of that and then basically you just have more more mess so we're taking it a little bit slow man you know like we got, we got Oakland, we got Watts, we're going to open San Francisco Tenderloin before the end of the year, and then we're going to come back and open, hopefully, Crenshaw here in Los Angeles. Okay. And then, I believe, like, with that structure over the next, like, by the end of 2017, you know, if we have four, like, really, like, uh, healthy stores, and... Um, the food truck, which we're putting a food truck out, you know. Come, yeah, come that's,
0: that news just dropped recently. Yeah, yeah,
1: we're going to open a food truck in September. We come here and feed you guys for lunch. Uh, the food truck is really about, like, I, I know people care about local. I know they do. I see it. I see all y'all love out there in the universe and, like, you know, in social media and everything. But sometimes you can't get to Watts, you know, all the time. And um, sometimes, like, the residents of Watts, you know, they can't always just keep – Local afloat, you know, by supporting it all the time every day. So, um, you know, why not bring that love out? You know, come here to Santa Monica, all and yeah, that but, way you can connect to it, you know, because I know you're thinking about it, I know you care yeah. about it. So,
0: um, yeah, but let's be honest what what this is all about this is about you getting back to where you feel most at home
1: on the truck. Yeah, on probably. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's that, that, that's definitely true. I look for any, any, um, opportunity to definitely roll the streets. Um, <laughs> but uh in,
0: in youth as in adulthood
1: probably, yeah man. for sure yeah. you know like i love being on the streets man yeah. i really do yeah i really love driving I, mean, I love driving i love the smells i love seeing the sunset you know i love listening to music you know driving that's you know.
0: a it's a true angelino right here in front of me man yeah
1: man i love that shit because i know all the back roads everything you know like do you,
0: you still see new shit in the city
1: all the time yeah do all you ever
0: take time. different routes
1: i do, all do the you, time. What's
0: what's the benefit in taking a different route
1: uh, well, there are a lot of benefits, you know, you may come across like a vendor you you never saw before, you know, uh, you may get an idea for something, you know, you may, you may see a store that, you know, you just pull over and changes your whole life, you know, um, uh, there's so many benefits. You may see like architectural things, you know, that inspire you, you know, um,
0: you may come up with an incredible idea of feeding people from the back of a truck.
1: Yeah. That's what happens when you drive around, for sure. Roy yeah.
0: Troy, man, thank you so much, okay. dude. Really appreciate that. All
1: right. <laughs>
0: All right. There he is. There he was. The cooking Tom York, as he likes to refer to himself now. Roy Troy, thank you for an absolutely fascinating hour together. Uh, This has been the Red Bulletin podcast. I have been your host, Andreas Georges, with a massive assist from the first name in podcasting, our engineer first name James. Our producer is T. Rizza. And the assist this week uh, from our associate producer, Unique Monique, who is dogged in tracking down Mr. Troy. Head on over to redbulletin.com. You can uh, see some beautiful words and some beautiful images and listen to the podcast embedded there through ACAST. Hit us up also on iTunes and on SoundCloud and Stitcher. All right, see you next time.